30-minute reviews, beware of spoilers, and exploring hyperspace lanes are all available ad-free. But if you want to support the show, you can go to bewareofspoilers.com and click the support button that's available on the Spotify website. Thank you. Good evening, and welcome to 30-Minute Reviews. I am Adam. So, we're just past the 100-day mark of the WGA strike. We are just past the, uh, it's been a little over a month, maybe two months? I think it's been just over a month since the start of the SAG strike. And I feel like that's probably the biggest story we have to cover, is how we have these these new uh, these new updates to, to things on the strike front. Uh, which we'll talk about today. Um, so why don't we get to dive on into uh, what we have. Let's start with the new SAG terms. Uh, SAG did update its guidelines for the strike going into the start of the selling season for movies um, with Venice next uh, at the end of the month and then going into TIFF early next month. And after that, we have, um, what's it called? Um, fuck me, it's Carl on. Um, only because the interim agreement, the way the interim, everyone calls it a waiver. Um, calling it a waiver is diminutive. Because what, what, what the interim agreement is, is it is a signed agreement between the production of an independent production and SAG to adhere to the rules of the Screen Actors Guild contract as given by the Screen Actors Guild. So if you want to make your movie, if you're A24, if you're Neon, if you're whatever, and you want to make your movie, or you want to promote your movie, in the case of Neon, who got a, a uh, an interim agreement to promote Ferrari with actors, um, the, the idea is you agree to whatever terms are going to be agreed to in the future, um, and if things come sooner than an agreement is done, you agree to whatever the the you know whatever the the current contract proposal that uh, the what's it called put out there that the uh, um, what's it called put out there that the uh, that SAG put out whatever they wanted you agree to those terms. Um, so to call it a waiver is more accurate. Than calling it a a um, calling it an interim agreement. I'm sorry, it's more accurate to calling it a waiver because you're signing the agreement. A waiver implies that you're getting around the contract and shooting anyway. An interim agreement is you are agreeing to their terms, and it, what it does is the reason why the press calls it a waiver, and we've talked about this before. The press has a vested interest in keeping the strike going and also getting a positive outcome for the. What's it called for this? Uh, for for the uh, for the AMPTP. Um, that is kind of where this is, um, and like it or not, you know th- the reason for that is that they get free stuff like access to the to uh, to the the cast and all that kind of stuff happens as a result of um, what's it called as a result of. Um, you know the 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 relationship between say Variety, Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, um, Comic Book.com, all these other places. 
and um, what they're called, and and the studios. Um, so they have a vested interest in that, and people will also go to the site to read stories about the strikes. The longer the strikes go on, so the longer the strikes go on, the more clicks they get, the more revenue they get, and so on and so forth. Herein lies the the big issue with the with the interim agreement. Um, the interim agreement could be considered striking if it gets if a movie gets made under the interim agreement, but gets picked up by a major studio, by a Searchlight, by a 20th Century, both of which under Disney, by a Focus under Universal, by a New Line under under Warner Brothers. By Warner Brothers Direct, by by Disney Direct, which is unlikely because Disney doesn't tend to buy movies. But if that were to happen, and if it were to happen where 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 that would happen, that would undercut the strike. You would end up in the situation where the the studios are are getting movies back through the pipeline so they can continue to make money. Because the point of a strike is to keep the studios from making money. And the at the end of the day, if you're going to sit there and be like, well, we have movie A, movie B, movie C that are, you know, in development from, you know, from the AMPTP, then, you know, those can't get made. But what they can do is they can get around in and they can buy other movies. They can buy, um, you know, movies from other places. Um, so... To that end, I do kind of understand the idea that this could be considered scabbing, but to say that is to say that you think the strike is going to go on for a long time. Because let's say I'm making a feature right now. Um, that feature will not be debuting at, Sun at Sundance. Assuming you're doing a a, 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 a month-long shoot, like, let's use, you know, we'll use Clerks as the example, because Kevin Smith has been so upfront about the process of making Clerks, if you use Clark Lee example, they shot that in like 28 days. If you sh if you got the interim agreement now and did the pre-production to start hiring people, because you can't hire people either under the un until you have the interim agreement, um, unless you're doing like a micro, unless you're doing something outside of SAG, um, which would be like if you're doing an ultra low budget short or something like that, which, you know, I considered for prelude doing it as an ultra low budget short and then. I'm like, how much work is it to apply for? Fuck it, I'll just wait till after the strike's over. Um, but what I'm point, what I'm, what I'm saying is, you know, if you start right now with pre-production, let's say you get going in September, by that point you are already out of the window for Sundance. Um, you can't even submit your past the deadline for Sundance. So you then have to look at like, okay, so what's next after that? What's the next big festival? South by Southwest maybe, but even then you'd be cutting it close if you did it at the quickest possible pace. And then if you did it past then, I think your next big one, like international will be con, but like domestic, it's like what Tribeca, like, you know, Los Angeles, I think has one in, in, in the, in the fall, um, or in the, in the spring too. Um, but like, if that's the case, then you're, you're, you're already cutting the pipeline off because these movies that are under this interim agreement, aren't going to be pro profitable until that far out. Now, unless you're saying that you think the strike's going to be going on until that point, in which case we have a much bigger issue, because then on top of that, too, in, 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 the only way that it could be that is if you think the strike is going to go on until, let's say, March. 
if you think it's going to go on until March, because, like, let's use Sundance as the example. Like, I think, if I remember correctly, the earliest movie to come out of Sundance this year uh, to get a premiere in a theater would have been, like, March or April. Um, I know for certain You Hurt My Feelings was a was a Sundance movie, and that was May. But, like, if you think we're going to be on strike for a year, then, well, not we, but if you think SAG's going to be on strike for a year, then that kind of is the issue. Um, but the, the thing is, the reason why I bring all this up is the Screen Actors Guild has modified the terms of, of, of their... Fuck me. Now, they have modified the terms of how you can sell your movie if you use SAG actors. So say I made a movie... And the movie is scheduled to debut at, let's use Hamptons, because I'm going to be going to Hamptons. I feel like, I looked at this lineup for a New York Film Festival this year, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of movies I'm going to do the New York Film Festival for. I feel like it's going to be the same thing for Hamptons. Um, also, Hamptons is a little bit easier for me to get. It really isn't, though. Um, I, it's just less people go out to the Hamptons, so the traffic is worse, is better than going into Manhattan. Um, but it's, it's about equidistant to go out to Southampton and to get into Manhattan. Um, we'll talk more about that at the end of the show, but, um, let's say you have a, uh, you, you made a movie on your own, independent of a studio, um, and you are making a, what's it called, and you are making a, you made your own movie outside of the studio system, you, you now have your own movie. Uh, you want, you are debuting the movie, you got into New York Film Festival, congratulations, that's a huge deal, you are debuting your movie there, and... Someone comes up to you and says, "Hi, we want to do your movie. We want to we want to promote your movie. We are a twenty four. We want to release it wide. Or oh, we're neon. Oh, we're roadside attractions. Uh, we are you know whatever, whatever the movie may be. We're going to do a wide release of your movie. Um, the new stipulation is if you use SAG actors, you have to sell the movie at the terms of the new contract, which functionally locks out." 20th Century and Focus and all of those big, you know, subsidiary companies and regular, you know, studios that could be using that to buy out movies. And I think the reason for this is because Venice is in a few weeks. It's to keep people from going to Venice and being like, oh, we're going to buy these movies and then sell them out uh, out of, you know, out of there. And, you know, this is a, a good move to dry up that pipeline while also allowing independent filmmakers who may have had money on the table. See, that's my issue with what to call with the, you know, with the idea of making the movie and and trying to to produce it um, independent and not letting indie filmmakers make their thing. Like the budget for Prelude is seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars, I think. I mean, the distribution budget's a lot bigger, but I think it's like eight hundred dollars. And if you want to support you can go to BewareSpoilers.com and, and kick us some money, and that will go support the uh, support the you know the, the movie. Um, that like that is the that's for that. But if you're making a feature, you're looking at tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if you had that money lined up, you had equipment rentals lined up, you had contracts lined up, and you aren't Lionsgate, you aren't A24, you aren't any of these people, you are kind of stuck. And it's like, this could be costing you money. And that's why I feel like the independent side of things is a little bit different from the major studio side of things. Um, so, whatever. And, and, and the idea that, you know, we're, we're going to push this and let it happen uh, and, and be like, look, you can't sell it here. That will also motivate the studios to 
tell this story. Um, to 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 make a deal. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I I just read a sign that drove past. Um, that's the first rule. The second new rule is that if your movie, if your script was written under the old WGA contract, um, you cannot get an interim agreement to shoot your movie. Um, from what I understand, existing interim agreements are not affected. So movies that A24 got approval for, that that Hallmark Channel show, they got an interim agreement, Chosen, uh, the, the, the CW show, um, those are all unaffected. Um, it, anything from here on out, if, you, if, if it was written under the old WGA contract, uh, then it is no longer, it is no longer uh, going to get SAG. You can't get a SAG, um, what are they called? You can't get a SAG, uh, a SAG interim agreement. Um, which, again, this is to bolster solidarity between the two striking unions um, by saying we aren't going to, um, we aren't going to help the studios honor these old contracts um, while we're striking, um, which is helpful, helpful for the writers to get a good contract. Um, now, the other big thing is we did finally get some movement on one of the guilds getting a, you know, get, getting a, a contract. Um, there have been two meetings now between the WGA and and uh, and the AMPTP. Uh, the first meeting was uneventful. Both meetings were scheduled at like three o'clock on a Friday, so you know, God forbid, um, like that that that's fucked up. But it is what it is. Now, this new contract, uh, this new meeting that happened last Friday on the 11th, has netted some concessions from the AMPTP. Um, and as reported by Bloomberg, here is what some of them are. Uh, showrunners can set their writer's room size. This is a response to the term that writer's room have a minimum uh, size. And the reason for that is um, it, it helps to keep, you know, lower-level writers employed. It helps to keep lower-level writers, um, you know, gives them a, a staff job consistently and where they can make the minimums to get health insurance and, and, and get a living wage. All that kind of stuff. Um, and I, you know, that that is a good first step. I still think the minimum is the best way to go about this. Um, only because I think that doing a minimum, you know, it will, as you get more and more auteurs in, you know, in, in television, which is where you get these, um, like the comments by Tyler, Ty Sheridan, are the ones that get me a little bit like, this is not a great thing, because he's like, oh, I'll just write it all. But when you have, you know, Paramount effectively becoming his network, then it's not a great situation all around to have him have all the power over the size of his writer's room. Um, and according to this, it will be scaled to budget, which to me indicates that if the show is over a certain amount, there will be a minimum number of writers you have to staff. Um, but you know, we'll see about that and how that all works out in practice um, if that if this contract is ratified. Um, one of the other terms that uh, was given was a better than 20% increase in residual when a show is aired on a network other than the network it premiered on. This is more for linear television where, let's say, you write on Young Sheldon and Young Sheldon gets licensed off to 17 other networks and is constantly on TV. 
uh, no matter what channel you flip to, or Law and Order, or any number of shows like that, you would get a larger residual um, on that if you're a writer on that show, um, which is good. Um, now the other ones we can go a little bit deeper on. There is a little bit more to to bite into on these other on these other two. Um, humans will be the first credited writer on screenplays in all cases. Uh, the WGA is still looking for uh, an assurance that if a script is written with the guidance of AI, the, um, what's it called, the, uh, um, the, they, the writer is still considered, the human is still considered the, the first writer. And the reason for that is when it comes to payments and residuals, if you write a screenplay, you get one amount. If you adapt a screenplay, you get a different amount. So the idea is if a, if a studio executive generates a, a short to make a screenplay based on and then goes into, you know, it goes to a, a, a screenwriter who's like, hi, I'm doing, you know, I'm going to write this, you know, the screenplay. Oh, we're going to do it based on this. Um, and the based on credit um, would give them less money. So the idea is if, if, if it is limited then to, um, what's it called? If it is limited then to, uh, um, it has to be, they, they still have to be the first, you know, the first one to do it. That would effectively eliminate the financial reason to use AI in writing scripts, um, because then what would happen is you have no reason to use AI when you can, you're going to have to pay the writer the same amount anyway. Um, you may pay, uh, pay it less because it's scaled to experience level, but you still have to pay, you know, it, you're still paying the writer, a, you know, you're, you're still paying more that way than paying with a based on credit. Um, but it's a good first step. Um, we'll see how that plays out. And the other one is viewership hours on streaming will be shared. It appears with, writing staffs. Uh, compensation, however, will not be tied to performance. Uh, and I'm of two minds on this. Number one, it implies to me that they're making not a ton of money on these streaming shows. Like, Netflix isn't having a huge return on $250 million blockbusters. That's what it's telling me. Um... And Disney's not having huge returns on its stuff either. What would be interesting is if this information was publicly reported, which I don't know if it would under this, um, or if it would just be reported to the showrunners. Um, but it does have the added benefit of if I'm a showrunner on a show that is getting, that is one of the top shows on the network or on the, on the streaming service, then I'd be able to parlay that into future, you know, future payment. Um, so this feels like a compromise, um, because before it was just blind and you're kind of just hoping that like, like that's the thing is that a lot of times when we talk about, you know, streaming shows, we talk about social media engagement. We talk about how many people are on, you know, on like, you know, on Twitter or on Facebook or on anything like that, talking about how great a show is. Um, and if that's, you know, if that's the only metric, then it's hard to quantify, quantify that. If we're going to quantify it in a more meaningful way, this is a good way to go about doing it. Um, this is a good way to be like, here, we're going to show you how well you're doing. Um, and then we can use that to be like, this is how many people are watching this show. 
um, opening weekend, then he will watch it overall from here on out. And that's another great way to to help writers get more work in the future. Um, and to that end, I think this is a, a mid-ground that I think the WGA should take. Because I think the other issue is, if you take one where it's based on performance, the issue becomes, what if the numbers aren't as good as it seems? Like, let's use the Snyder Cut, for example. Publicly reported data about the Snyder Cut had it viewed by less people then watched the season one premiere of The Flash on CW. Um, now, if that's one of the top shows on, or one of the top movies on uh, HBO Max at the time, or now Max, then what does that say about the rest of the shows? And will a merit-based system be scaled to um, to actual, like, comparatively within where it's like the top show of the year gets this much, the second top gets this much? Or will it be scaled to everyone just gets, you know, a certain amount, regardless of how well the, you know, regardless of how well the, you know, the thing is. And they just set it to, if you get this many viewers, you get this much. If you get this many viewers, you get this much. I feel like this is, you know, this is a way to get around that, especially considering you're bargaining blind. You don't know what the actual numbers are, from what I understand. It's possible they do give some information, but I, I feel like they would they should give more concrete information uh, if, if they're going to bargain on this. Um, and I think that if you get the numbers now and over the next three to five, I think it's five years when the next contract comes up, um, if you get good numbers now and you get consistently good numbers over the next few years, then you have that as a bargaining chip going forward. But if you get it now and it turns out the numbers aren't great, you can't bargain backwards. Like, because if they're not paying you royalties for, for good performance, you can't modify it to be like, oh, well, we wanted to do this instead. And that's my concern, is that they're going to rope-a-dope on that. If it's like, we're going to do merit-based, like, all right, well, if you get over this much, you're, you're, you're bargaining blind. And I feel like that's a bad idea, if that's the case. Um, if not, and I'm wrong, so be it. Um, but look, um, I see this as a sign that we're headed toward the end of the strikes. I see this as a sign that WGA will be getting a deal. I would say by the end of September, the WGA will be back working. I think by October, the uh, the uh, SAG will be back working. Um, I think we'll be back in production by uh, October, November. And I think Deadpool 3 gets delayed into the summer. Um, as a result, that's the big one. That everyone's like, holy shit, Deadpool 3 is getting delayed. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't done with production. I think what could happen, theoretically, is Deadpool 3 could get moved to July, Captain America gets moved back to May, and they just go about their day like that. Um, but I think the issue is um, they, they need to get stuff together. And it's weird, too. It's like, I, like it is what it is. Um, but we'll wrap up there for today. Um, so... The, the uh, what's it called? We have our list of movies that are going to be playing at the New York Film Festival. I got a list of like six of them that I want to see, varying priority, depending on how much money uh, we can put into this project. If you want to support, um, go over to bewareofspoilers.com. You can, you know, you can give money and we will, the, the more we get, the more we can go see. Um, especially considering gas is expensive and tickets are not cheap either. 
Um, and we will also be doing, like, like I think Ferraris. I'm going to go my list. Let me bring my list up so that way we can actually give this more concrete. And then I'll, I'll, I, may, I may tier it where it's, like, based on the number of donors, we'll do different, uh, we'll do different ones. Um, let's see. Where is Film Festival? Festival. Movies 2023. Uh, May, December is the opening night movie. Ferrari is a closing night movie. Um, All Dirt Roads, Taste of Sulfur, I think is an A24. All of Us Strangers, which I think is also an A24. Anatomy of a Fall, Zone of Interest, and Poor Things are the movies we're aiming for. Um, but I will come up with a tier list, and we will be talking about that in a future episode where we'll be turning September into a uh, a subscription, uh, like a, a subscription, like a pledge drive kind of thing. Um, we did just do a review of Ferrari, uh, not Ferrari, wow, uh, Gran Turismo, um, over on, uh, Beware of Spoilers, check that out, um, also over on Beware of Spoilers this week, we will be doing, um, on Friday, Blue Beetle on Saturday, Strays on Sunday, um, it's got a weird name, it's like Everything Invisible Hand, or, or something like that, like, uh, every, like, Everything in the Invisible Hand, or something like that, um, Invisible Hand is definitely in the title. Um, but that'll be on, uh, on Sunday. So until our next episode, have a great rest of your week.